Chapter Twenty Six of A Coin of Edward the Seventh. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Coin of Edward the Seventh by Fergus Hume. Chapter Twenty Six The End of the Trouble. Giles returned to Rickwell within a week to find that great changes had taken place in the place, even in that little while after the foundering of the dark horse the other yacht had returned to england forthwith she had not been very badly damaged by dane's mad act although her bows had been smashed calthorpe indeed had been on the point of putting in to the nearest port to refit but finding that the firefly was still seaworthy he held on until he got back to dover some of the crew of the lost ship had been picked up as they were all more or less connected with the scarlet cross society Steele took charge of them and conducted them to London. Giles accompanied Anne to her mother. The Princess Caraxay received her with open arms, and Olga with many professions of gratitude. "'You have undone all the harm I caused,' said Olga to Giles. "'Oh, that's all right,' he replied. "'We are friends now?' "'Friends and nothing more than friends. I am returning to Vienna with my mother, and have agreed to marry Count Tarrock.' satisfied on this point giles went back to rickwell leaving anne to the society of the princess almost as soon as he set foot in his home he was informed of the news by trim mr franklin is dead said trim with startling abruptness dead echoed ware astonished was his broken leg the cause no replied the old man but yesterday he received a telegram and afterwards took a dose of poison his daughter is coming here to see you, sir. She heard you were to be here to-day. Giles wondered why Portia should come to see him, and also why Denham would have committed suicide after receiving a telegram. Trim could not tell him what the telegram was about, so Giles had to wait until the girl chose to call and enlighten him. Perhaps she had a message for him from the dead man concerning Anne. Meanwhile, Trim went on to state that Mrs. Morley was leaving Rickwell she has sold all her furniture and has let the elms said trim i saw morris yesterday and he tells me she is stopping at the merry dancer with her children does she know of her husband's death asked giles death sir is mr morley dead i forgot you do not know yes trim he went down in his yacht the dark horse in the bay of biscay poor woman said trim looking shocked she was so fond of him ware had his own opinion on this point so he made no remark he turned over the correspondence that had accumulated during his absence and found a letter from mrs morley written a day or so previous she said therein that she wished to see him particularly and that she would call as soon as he returned she had something most particular to tell him the word particular was underlined giles wondered if she intended to tell him some of morley's rascalities but then he remembered that, according to Dane, she knew nothing of the double life which her husband had led. Anxious to hear what she had to say, he despatched a note by Trim asking her to come to his house, and offering to go to the inn should she prefer their conversation to take place there. When Trim departed, Giles proceeded to despatch such business connected with his estates as was necessary. Hardly had he been an hour engaged in this way when Portia called to see him she had discarded her rainbow-coloured garb and was clothed in funereal black 
when she entered giles's study he saw that her eyes were red and her face swollen with weeping he felt extremely sorry for the poor girl and privately determined to look after her as denham had requested meantime he did his best to console portia i am sorry to hear of your father's death he said sympathetically portia looked at him indignantly why should you say that she demanded you were not his friend no i certainly was not all the same i cannot help regretting that a man with such great gifts should have wasted them in the way he did and should have put an end to himself there was nothing else for him to do said the girl mournfully he was to be taken to jail as soon as his leg was better the police could not move him immediately or he would have been put in jail long ago but he's dead now and i'm glad whatever you may say of him mr ware he was my father and good to me yes and he was good to anne also she'll tell you so i am sure he was answered giles gently your father had his good points portia how much of his sad history do you know i know he had his faults she replied doggedly and that he was very badly treated by that beast morley i'm glad morley is dead how do you know he is asked giles sharply father got a telegram yesterday from steele steele promised to let him know if morley was caught as father hated him so when the telegram came saying that morley was drowned father said that he had nothing left to live for and that he was quite pleased to die then he sent me out of the room and took poison i came back in an hour sobbed portia and found him dead he looked so handsome as a corpse giles shivered at this morbid speech but made no comment thereon he saw that portia knew very little and was determined in her own mind to know no more she had elevated her dead father to the rank of a hero and would not listen to a word against him ware thought there must have been a great deal of good in denham despite his evil career seeing that he had gained the goodwill of both portia and anne but he had no time to talk further to portia on these points as a card was brought in to him and he learned that mrs morley was waiting to see him he said a few final words to portia how do you stand he asked anne will look after me she answered i don't suppose you'll be mean enough to put her against me why should i said giles mildly i am only too glad to help you in any way i can but this money your father that is all right father saw mr asher the lawyer and has left his money to anne every penny of it i get nothing cried portia with a fresh burst of grief but i do hope anne will help me i'm sure i've always been very good to her even though she isn't my sister did your father tell you she wasn't yes he said she was an adopted child though why he should have left her all and mean nothing here portia wept again ware saw that denham had arranged with asher that her father's money should pass on to anne no doubt he had told the lawyer the whole history of the imposture and asher would now take steps to place anne in possession of her fortune but denham had deceived portia probably because he wished the girl to think well of him after he was dead giles resolved that he would not undeceive the girl i'll see that things are made easy for you he said are you still at the priory there's nowhere else for me to go till i hear from anne anne is in town i'll write to her and we'll see what can be done portia rose to go but she expressed no thanks for his kindness so you are to marry anne she said well i hope you'll be good to her 
don't you think i shall portia in spite of her grief tossed her head i don't know she said all men are bad except my father who was very very good and she looked defiantly at giles as though challenging contradiction but ware was too sorry for the girl to make any harsh remark he walked with her to the outer door and sent her away in a much more cheerful mood then he returned to his study and found mrs morley already seated near his desk she looked ill and worn but in strange contrast to her usual custom wore a coloured gown and evidently had been trying to dress herself as gaily as possible she saw the surprised look on giles face and guessed its meaning yes mr ware she said plucking at her dress you see i have my holiday clothes on even though oliver has left me there is no need for me to go into mourning no he has deserted me basely i am determined to show the world that i don't care mrs morley your husband is dead dead she half started from her chair but sat down again with a white face then to giles horror she began to laugh he knew that morley had been a bad husband to the woman before him but that she should laugh on hearing of his death made him shiver he hastily explained how morley had met with his fate and mrs morley not only laughed again but clapped her gloved hands dead she said quite gleefully ah he was lucky to the last ware thought that the widow must be off her head to talk like this but mrs morley was perfectly sane and her exclamation was perfectly natural as he soon learned she enlightened him in her next speech don't you call a man lucky she said quietly who died like my husband in the clean waves of the sea instead of being hanged as he deserved what do you mean asked the startled giles can't you guess she drew a paper out of her pocket i came here to give you that mr ware the confession of my wicked husband confession yes you will find it particularly interesting mr ware it was my miserable husband who murdered daisy never gasped giles rising aghast he was in the library all the time you told i know what i told she answered quickly i did so to save my name from shame for the sake of my children i lied oliver did not deserve the mercy i showed him base to the last he deserted me now he is dead i am glad to hear it she paused and laughed i shall not change my dress mr ware don't mrs morley he said with a shudder not that name if you please she said and noting her card on the desk she tore it in two then opening her case she tore the other cards and scattered them on the floor mrs morley is no more i am mrs wharton that is the name of my first husband my true husband the father of my three children yes mr ware i have sold my furniture and let the elms to-morrow i leave for the south of france with my children i land in france as mrs wharton and the old life is gone for ever can you blame me from what i know of morley i cannot he stammered but what do you know mrs moore i mean mrs wharton i know everything listen mr ware when oliver married me i was in love with him i thought he loved me for myself but it was my money he was after 
some time after our marriage i found that he was a gambler he lost all my money at cards fortunately there was a sum of a thousand a year settled on me which he could not touch nor was he able to touch the money left to my children all the rest and there was a great deal he wheedled out of me and spent i wonder you did not put an end to him long ago i mean i should have thought you would separate from the scoundrel mrs morley sighed i loved him she said in low tones it took me many a long day to stamp that love out of my heart i did all he wished me to do i took the elms and obtained the guardianship of daisy i never thought that he had any design in getting me to take her to live with us i was one of her father's oldest friends and loved the girl morley managed the affair in such a manner that i did what he wished without knowing i was being coerced morley was a very clever man and a wicked man said his widow without emotion i can only think of the way he behaved to me and mine daisy always hated him i could never get her to like him i don't know what he said or did to her he always seemed to me to treat her with kindness but she had an antipathy to him he thought when she got the powell money he would do what he liked with her and it but when he saw she was hostile to him he determined then on her murder you did not know that at the time said giles breathlessly no certainly i did not or i should have sent the girl away i am only talking by the light of recent events when that man came to tell morley about the death of powell he knew that daisy would leave the house and marry you as soon as she got the fortune he tried to induce denham when he was in the library to kill daisy and took down the stiletto for that purpose denham refused then there was a man called dane who came with a message morley asked him likewise to kill the girl and was likewise refused he saw there was nothing for it but to murder daisy himself in a day or so it would have been too late as she would hear about the money and leave the house morley took the stiletto and went to the church in the hope of killing her when she came out and was amidst the crowd of people he hoped to escape unobserved a rash idea observed giles oh its safety lay in its rashness said the widow coldly well it happened that denham lured daisy out of the church and did not follow for some time morley looking at the door saw her come out he waited for a moment and then walked to her father's grave morley followed and killed her by stabbing her in the back as she knelt in the snow by the grave she fell forward with a cry he would have repeated the blow but that he saw denham coming he fled back to the house i was in the library when he arrived he made some excuse and i never thought anything was wrong had he the stiletto with him i believe he had but i did not see it afterwards he took the stiletto back to the churchyard and pretended to find it so that anne might be accused denham never suspected morley of the crime why i don't know as any one who knew what i have told you about his offers to denham and dane must have guessed that morley was guilty how did you learn all this asked giles glancing at the confession which was in morley's own handwriting at various times i did not suspect him at first but one thing led to another and i watched him i got at his papers and discovered all about the scarlet cross and wait mrs morley i mean wharton 
did morley write that anonymous letter which accused anne yes he did so in case it was necessary to kill daisy he hoped by hinting beforehand that anne would be accused it was anne's foolish speech to daisy saying she would kill her that gave him the idea but she meant nothing by it it was only a few hot words however morley used them to his own end well mr ware i found out about the thieving gang and then learned for the first time the kind of man i had married my love died out of my heart at once i took to thinking how i could get away from him he used to mutter in his sleep having an uneasy conscience i should think he was too strong a man to have a conscience well he muttered in his sleep at all events from what he said i discovered he had something to do with the death of daisy i accused him and told him that i knew all about his scarlet cross wickedness he denied the truth of this at first afterwards little by little i got the truth out of him i then made him write out that confession and sign it so that i could save anne should she be caught i promised for the sake of my own name and my children not to use the confession unless anne was taken that is why morley ran away with anne he fancied that she would continue to bear the blame and also here mrs wharton hesitated and glanced at giles i fancy that oliver was in love with miss denham the scoundrel cried giles furiously mrs wharton as she now called herself laughed coldly and rose to depart i don't think it matters much now she said anne was not drowned also was she no replied ware shuddering she is in london and i hope shortly to make her my wife i wish her all happiness said mrs wharton without emotion i always liked anne and for her sake i secured that confession that when published will vindicate her character you need have no hesitation in showing it to the police and in letting that detective deal with it as he thinks fit in a few days i shall be in france under the name of mrs wharton and the past will be dead to me good-bye she held out her hand good-bye answered giles shaking it heartily i trust you will be happy mrs wharton i shall be at peace if nothing else she replied and so passed from the room and out of his life giles showed the confession to steele who was delighted that the real culprit had at last been discovered but he was sorely disappointed at the suicide of denham it spoils the case he said you are going to bring the matter into court then said giles of course i want some reward for my labor mr ware i'll break up that gang i must publish this confession in order to save your future wife from further blame not that it will matter much he added for miss denham i should rather say miss franklin has gone to styria with her mother and half-sister i know answered giles quietly i join them there in a week well mr ware i congratulate you and i hope you'll have a good time you deserve it from the way in which you have worked over this case what about yourself steele oh i'm all right dane morley and denham are dead which is a pity as they are the chief villains of the play still i'll contrive to punish those others and get some kudos out of the business and i must thank you mr ware for that reward it was miss anne's idea replied ware she will soon be put in possession of her money and asked me to give you the reward it is half from her and half from me 
and i believed her guilty said steele regretfully but i'll make amends mr ware i'll keep her name out of this business as much as i can consistently with the evidence steele was as good as his word the thieves were tried but anne was not mentioned in connection with their robberies as regards the murder the confession of morley was made public and every one knew that anne was guiltless in fact she was applauded for the way in which she had helped her supposed father to escape the papers called the whole episode romantic but the papers never knew the entire truth nor that anne was the daughter of the princess Caraxay. not even mrs parry learned as much as she should have liked to learn but what scraps of information she did become possessed of she wove into a thrilling story which fully maintained her reputation as a scandal-monger and she was always anne's friend being particularly triumphant over the fact that she had never believed her to be guilty and i hope said mrs parry generally that every one will believe what i say in the future which every one afraid of her tongue pretended to do giles and anne were married from the castle of prince caraxay in Styria. the prince took a great fancy to anne franklin and learned the truth about her parentage but this was not made public it was simply supposed that she was a young english lady who was the intimate friend of princess olga but every one was surprised when the elder princess at the wedding threw over anne's neck a magnificent necklace of uncut emerald it belonged to your father's mother dear whispered the princess as she kissed the bride olga married count tarak and settled down into the meekest of wives giles and anne heard of the marriage while on their honeymoon in italy they had taken a villa at sorrento and were seated out on the terrace when the letter came anne expressed herself glad and you are pleased too dear she said to giles very pleased he replied with emphasis whereat she laughed i know why you are pleased she said in answer to his look olga told me how deeply she was in love with you but her cure was as quick as her disease was virulent she never would have harmed me my dear olga was always fond of me and of you giles flushed and laughed well it's all over now he said and i am glad she is married but let us talk about yourself are you happy after all your troubles dearest very happy giles i regret nothing portia thanks to you is in a good home but my poor father don't call denham that anne he said with a frown she kissed it away he was always very good to me she said i tried to save him as you know i believed that he had killed daisy by some mistake but really giles i did not stop to think i knew that my i mean denham was in danger of his life and i could not rest until i had placed him in safety and you defended him afterwards anne that time we met in the churchyard you quite endorsed his story of the invented walter franklin don't reproach me giles i had promised denham to say what i did and not even for your dear sake could i break my word he was a good man in many ways but as you say yourself it is all over let us forget him and his tragic end and morley's anne shivered he was the worst oh what a terrible time i had on board that boat when i found he was deceiving me i thought he was taking me to denham and i wanted to see what he i mean denham would say to my mother's statement i thought he might be able to show that he was not as bad as she not another word said ware taking her into his arms 
let us leave the old bad past alone and live in the present see he took a parcel out of his pocket i have had this made for you anne opened the package and found therein the coin of edward the seventh set as a brooch and surrounded by brilliants oh how delightful she said with a true woman's appreciation of pretty things it is the dearest thing in the world to me save you anne he said twice that coin brought me to you but for it i should never have been by your side now no she kissed the coin again and fastened it at her throat where it glittered a pretty odd ornament you waste your kisses cried giles and took her to his breast End of chapter twenty six. End of a coin of Edward the Seventh by Fergus Hume. Recorded by Celine Major.